You're listening to the Tuesday Talks Podcast, your source of truth in communications, identity management, and technology. Hosted by New Miracle. Welcome to Tuesday Talks, a live discussion series where we shed light and bring truth to emerging topics in the communications industry. I'm Rebecca Johnson, founder and CEO of Numerical, and I will be co-hosting today's session with Jim McEachran, the industry's leading shaken expert. Known for his extensive work establishing governance authority for shaken to reduce the scourge of caller ID spoofing and unwanted robocalls. It's so great to have you with us, Jim. Welcome. So Jim, you and I have known each other for, I think it's almost four years. I was trying to do the math. (laughs) I couldn't remember. Um, And we actually met over this exciting topic called Stir Shaken. Um, I was uh, recalling on our first interaction, which is where I I really kind of zeroed in on the enterprise challenge around attestation, which has kind of become everybody's favorite topic. Um, I believe we were at the AT&T U.S. Telecom offices somewhere here in D.C., and you were actually talking to a small audience about Stir Shaken, giving us a good overview of those standards. Um, and during that presentation was when I was first introduced to that concept of the attestation A, B, and C. And I really struggled to kind of wrap my mind around how a voice service provider would actually be able to audit uh, the enterprises and their authorization for use of the telephone numbers when the enterprise didn't actually work directly with the carrier. I mean, that was the world that I came from, and I'm just like, head scratcher here. So I, you know, kind of brought up the topic. And then, of course, when you raise your hand and say you know something about a topic, Jim McEachern is the guy who will say, great, looks like you just volunteered. (laughs) So within seconds, uh, right immediately, you asked me to show up in the next Addis meeting. I didn't even know what Addis meant, uh, but I showed up. I trusted you. (laughs) And uh, that's where Martin Dolly, who is the chair of the IPNI task force, basically says we really need to hear from the enterprises on how this is affecting them. And then I remember I was sitting next to you and you were like raising your hand and, and pointing your finger at me and you're like, I brought somebody. Literally, I mean, it was just like thrown into it. So I go up to the front of the room and introduce myself, talk about the enterprises and the rest is history. Uh, we've been working on this topic. I do, I do. It's a great, I was truly was impressed. I was really impressed with uh, those who are in the ipad and i task force still to this day some of my favorite people are in there they're just brilliant minds I, I love to be surrounded by brilliant people and that's that's what that group is is comprised of so with that little background on how we met i really want to dive into your background before we get into today's topic because i think it's really important um, as to why you really to me you really are the expert when it comes to the international calls I, i'm not going to anybody else on this topic Um, And so I'd like for you to give this audience just a little bit of the background and kind of how the standards come into play on this as well, because this is very standards driven. Um, Sure. Uh, Well, for my background, uh, I spent 30 plus years with Nortel. I basically rode that horse into the ground. It was great fun while it lasted. Uh, And when that was no longer available, I started working with Addis, uh, really focusing on emerging technologies, a number of emerging technologies, everything from connected car to UAV to next generation wireless. And along the way, uh, the IPNI task force was formed with uh, between Addis and the SIP forum. 
And one of the things that they tackled was robocalling and what became shaken. And once I got involved in that, it expanded to basically take over everything that I was um, was doing, um, including after, uh, as we joke, I, I I retired at the end of 2018, and uh, and that allowed me to focus on on this full time. Uh, so uh, I, I say retired in quotes, but. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, great stuff. Um, you mentioned about the standards. I'll just say one very quick thing about why it's important that this be based on standards is because this is all about signatures and um, cryptographic assertions of of the, uh, the identity, and that is created at the origination of the call with one service provider, uh, and in due course in one country, and it's tr and it's verified at the uh, other end with a different service provider. Well, if it's not standards based. They don't play together. It's as hard, as difficult, and as simple as that. So, moving to the topic of today's discussion on that whole point of the standards and sharing data, <laughs> um, and you know, although the standards and the deployment of the standards have really primarily focused on the United States, and Surshaken has always been intended, as you mentioned, to be deployed country by country. But it really takes one to kind of step up define it, implement it, regulate it, enforce it. Like there's all these layers that we have to go through. Um, and I think we've had enough time now in the United States for us to move this forward in all those different levels. And now we're starting to move our focus over to, based on the standard that each country is going to implement, how do we have this kind of cross-border communication? And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I, from what I see, Canada is really the one right behind the U.S. and in, in the direction that they're going with regards to the establishment and the structure to implement stir shaken. I'm not necessarily comparing technologies of where they are with voice communications, but at least the the governance and the standard structure and some enforcement and some deadlines around that. And then I see and we heard from recently in another event uh, from the U.K. and France, but there's a whole lot more countries that deliver communications. So can you kind of walk us down that path of, of that status? Yeah. So I, I'll, I'm gonna step back first and actually talk about when we defined the base shaken specifications. And you're right, that was defined from a single country perspective. Actually, it was defined from a generic country perspective, obviously it was done in the US, so we're very aware of that, but it was not, it was designed not to be specific to any given country, but to be uh, to apply to a country. And the reasons for that, one obvious reason is that every country has their own regulation and they own their own phone numbers. And so that's a natural scope to the control of it. And the other problem, frankly, is that or reason is that, is that it's hard enough to define this for one country, worrying about the world out of the box, you just, you just be, you won't get anywhere. So we did that. And then once we got to that point, as I you know, joke, when I, when I got um, to the end of 2018 and we had the governance authority set up in the US and I retired, I could then focus on continuing to work on, um, on, on how we go from one country to cross border. And I'm based in Canada, so I helped Canada set up, uh, gave some help to Canada in establishing their governance authority. And then Addis and the SIP forum and the IPNI defined a cross border specification. So what happens when you have two countries and they want to play together? And you know, try to do it really quickly, but 
the the uh, trust anchor in Shaken is that the governance authority and the policy administrator maintain a list of the approved certificate authorities, the ones who can issue certificates in Shaken. And that list of the trusted certificate authorities, that's effectively the root of trust. So when you go to verify, you confirm that the, the call was signed with the certificate then be traced back to that, that trusted CA list. If it's not on there, it, it fails. So when you take a Canada-US call, call gets signed in Canada with a Canadian certificate authority, gets the US, with, they, they check their trusted CA list. Um, the Canadian CA is not on the US list fails verification automatically. So what you do is can the US say, well, we are going to trust each other. Uh, and we looked at, you know, we're doing the same thing. We're going to trust each other. You basically merge a trusted CA list so that now the US CA list has Canada plus the US in it. And then when you do that, it just passes. So it's, you know, again, it's as, as, as difficult and as simple as, as that. Um, and you know, that, that, so that, that gets you the next step. Um, yep. Do you want me to talk beyond that? <laughs> well, I want to kind of continue on with the theme of uh, the country readiness. And, and I know you that you have direct involvement in Canada. Um, we are talking cross-border right now, but we are using different technology uh, to communicate. But, uh, you know, in, from your perspective, and I, and I do feel that the cooperation, I would say, with the U.S. and Canada is something I hope to see with other countries, but you've literally been on both sides bringing this forward. It's the first cross-border. Is that correct? I mean, between Canada and the U.S. as far as our deployment going? Oh, well, they are being deployed in Canada and the U.S., but right now, if a call is signed in Canada, it won't be verified in the U.S. because that merging of trusted CA lists um, hasn't happened yet. You know, the spec has been written to show how you do it. Now, I expect that that will happen perhaps this year, certainly within the next 12 months. So that's on the, on the roadmap, but, but it's still not, not there yet. Um, other people, you know, that, that, that comes even further down the path. So I'm going to interject this because um, people will get confused a lot of times that if the call is not being signed, is there an expectation that the terminating carriers go, we're blocking all calls from Canada until we can communicate with each other via the standard? No. Would that, would that be a true <laughs> statement or a false statement? Because people will run with that. Yeah. That, no, that, that, that will be a false statement. In fact, you, you would not block on that, on that basis. Now, the FCC has, has um, created a, is, uh, is um, rolling out, is a special case where if a call originates in Canada, but the calling party number is a U.S. number, then certain different uh, criteria kick in. But right now, if it's a Canadian number that's originating from Canada, it, it, it just, it completes. Again, your call blocking app may or may not block it as suspicious, but that has nothing to do with that. Yeah. And can you speak at all to how StarShaken scales with bringing on other countries? Are there challenges with that? Are there considerations that we need to take in as we're deploying? Yes, um, in a number of ones. I mean, the, the mechanism I described where the two countries get together and they basically sign a bilateral agreement, they're going to trust each other. Um, that's the, the obvious, uh, in a way, brute force way forward. Works fine for Canada and U.S. At a couple of countries, it works fine. But if you were to extend that to the world with pro approaching 200 countries, 
that would imply uh, something approaching sorry, 20,000 bilateral agreements, <laughs> and and that that's, you know, that 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 takes a bit of a while. So so that um, you know the 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 direct um, approach has problems in scaling when you go to the uh, the countries. Now we've um, we've uh, developed a specification that actually talks about how you would have a central database that people could register with and that would um, would uh, allow you to do that in a more scalable fashion. The problem is there's a bunch of, of unresolved issues in that. Who do you trust? What are the criteria for, for um, joining that? Um, who hosts the database? All these kinds of things. And so that how do we how do we get from here to there kind of thing in, in a manageable way is a lot of what I've been thinking about over the last 18 months, two years. And I always find it interesting when we're talking about a trust framework, those deploying it have the greatest issues with trusting the trust framework. We just can't get away from the fact that that is an element of it, that we will have to trust uh, the data that is coming to us, trust, people are following the standard. Um, so I think it still is telling that we should not look at StarShaken to stop the fraudulent robocalls, uh, but it is a way to stop illegal spoofing and help identify the source. And I think that's a huge win globally if we can continue down that path. But trust is definitely an element, not only trusting who's delivering the call, but who's actually implementing these standards and following the rules. Yeah. In fact, there's a, the trust, it's a good, it's a good segue into the, I think the challenges we face. And, and you're right. I mean, the, the, the need for trust, but that has a couple of aspects. One is how do you know your customer? How do you have confidence that this is the legitimate person, that this is the person they say they are and that they're a legitimate actor. And that's, again, very much the, the space that you deal in every day. But we need more robust mechanisms for that because as we move forward into Stir Shaken, the implications of originating the call and that signature gain more significance. The flip side of that as well is that n no matter how hard we try, there are going to be some bad actors get into the system. We need a know your customer, a rigorous vetting and know your customer thing to limit that, but you'll never eliminate it entirely. And therefore, you need to have some kind of monitoring, verification, enforcement mechanisms that, that maintain that trust. And, and those are all part of the, I talked about how we get from here to there, how we uh, do that in a scalable way and leverage uh, what we have in terms of associations and contacts and such are, are are the critical things that we need to um, work on going forward. One thing that we've learned, at least in the U.S., in deploying Stir Shaken and, and really the analytics too. I, I don't, I don't see these standards being deployed without some form of analytics too. I mean, there has to be some intelligence sitting on top of this data that is being received on the terminating side. And we've learned over the years that there needs to be some kind of remediation process. Uh, for when things are wrong, because it's going to happen. I mean, even though this is all technology, humans are still the entry point for the data. Therefore, there will be some some challenges there. Has there been any discussion or thought or consideration to international remediation? Um, well, so um, I'm hesitating because nothing nothing formal, nothing official. Um, it's the kind of thing that that. I've been thinking about and talking with people, and and uh, the answers are not there yet. 
um, the a couple things are clear. One is that there's no entity that you can you can delegate the problem to, right? If you go in a U.S. context, you can go to the FCC and the FTC and the FBI, and there's a bunch of people who who own bits of the problem. And depending on how it it, it unfolds, you can you know they they, they can they can um, own the problem. When you go internationally, there's there's nothing that really I mean there's a couple of things that are close, but there's nothing that really fits and that's going to do that credibly. And as a result, you need to look at this a little bit differently. You need to look at uh, at, 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 at groups of people, um, whether it be things like the EU, that's great for a group of countries, but it, it uh, doesn't apply globally. But you've got various organizations, whether it be ADIS or I3Forum or a number of, of, um, of uh, associations um, that, that can, can uh, bring together people to collectively manage that, that trust and that re remediation. Uh, and, and potentially even commercial entities um, that, that can be part of that. So all of those are going to be part of the solution, but unfortunately it's going to be something you're going to have to work out and, and coordinate uh, as opposed to being able to uh, point to the, the, the policeman. So for those who are listening, uh, you mentioned you know getting involved with associations. Can you just list some of those that are involved that people can become members of um, and participate in solving this as a whole? Um, so the the um, uh, this you're you're setting up here. Um, the unfortunately the, the main people who are defining the uh, stir shaken requirements. I mean obviously this stir comes from the IETF, so you can do that. But of course shaken, which is uh, and so just for those who aren't familiar with it, stir as defined in the IETF is basically a protocol and a set of tools. But like any set of tools, you can do all kinds of things with it. And it's so flexible that it's hard to have two independent implementations work together. What Shaken basically does is it takes all these ways you could do it, and it says, we're going to do it this way. And when you define, nail down, limit all the, the options and the variables, you get something that actually will work together. And so basically the only people who are defining Shaken are Addis and the SIP forum through the IPN and I task force and, and driving that forward. Now, we have been reaching out and coordinating with regulators in Europe, with um, a variety of, of associations, but again, that's really just coordinating with them and sharing information with them. We were talking earlier about, you know, basically just before COVID hit, I was set to go to, uh, to Portugal and, um, and talk to um, a bunch of the European regulators in, in SEPT about how stir shaking could apply to their network. So uh, alas, that did not happen, but, uh, but that's the kind of thing we're trying to do. And it's something I didn't think of till just now listening to you talk. And I, maybe you have an answer, maybe you don't, but it's just something to watch. You know, in, in the U.S., we have the Trace Act, and the Trace Act does kind of touch on a standard, stir shaken. Um, and, you know, the caller ID authentication framework. And I've always been a little leery of laws that are tied down to the standards because the standards need to be able to change. They need to change quick. They need to change fast. Um, do you see other countries doing the same where they may pass rules, regulations, laws that kind of touch on the standard? And then if we have that, I don't know how we have this single standard having to meet multiple countries' laws. Uh, I, so 
I have the exact same concern when I see laws referencing standards and technologies. Um, so I share that concern. Uh, what I've, well, first of all, there's very few countries that have, uh, other than the U.S., that have uh, passed legislation that, that um, demands uh, dealing with, with robocalling. Um, and I don't believe that any of those have specifically called out stir shaken. Uh, the way uh, the U.S. has come close to doing. Um, but, it, but it does, even if you don't have it in the legislation, one of our big concerns is that if every country tackles the problem in their own way, then it, it might work for all for calls within their country, but it, we all know that that's only a small subset of the problem, but it won't work with, between countries and globally. And again, Coming back, that's yet another reason why why Addis and, and me personally have been actively reaching out to communicate and to share information with as many people as possible. Make people understand that that this, you know, the fact that the US has deployed Shaken does not mean that Shaken is a US specific technology. You know, you can you can tweak it to your individual needs. Um, in terms of the governance, while ensuring that at the at the bits and bytes of the protocol level, it will actually work cross border, and so, you know, it, it can be embraced embraced with and meet your local needs. And this is a standard that has been in the works for quite some time before the FCC's robocall strike force kind of put it in the media. I think that's the point when the media got hold of it and we started seeing news articles about stir shaken. But it's been in the works for a while, right? It, it, well, I'm sorry, it's, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it, had been, it had been in the works for a year before the uh, robocall strike force was launched. And in fact, that was the moment where we went from, from uh, pushing this, this cool technology and, uh, and in the bar after the meetings, worrying about how it was ever going to be deployed in networks to suddenly, uh, you know, we went from pushing on a rope to holding on the rope for dear life as, as the thing gathered steam and, and took off. So, so yeah, that, that, that definitely changed the whole dynamic. Yeah. And from what I'm seeing, I mean, just look, looking at the U.S. and our deployment and the carries ability, and a lot of things are just limited by the technology and the infrastructure. I mean, it's it's I don't see anyone going, I don't agree with this standard. I refuse to do it. It's it's more of a matter of the resources, the infrastructure, the technology to be able to move this forward. And that adds a lot of time. And I see other countries going to be facing the same challenges. So, you know, we're looking at years, maybe yeah. decade. Um, well, globally, uh, definitely years. Uh, again, we're, we're talking about, we're thinking about how to, you know, communicating internationally and, and trying to make that be years and not decades. I don't think there's any reason it can't be a question of years. But I mean, it's going to be years. I mean, when I talk to people um, a couple of years ago and they say, like, you've been working on this for how long? Like, why, why can't you deploy that? And my kind of analogy is you deploy this in your network, it is going to touch every piece of the network for every single call. If you don't think about it very carefully and get it right, you could crash the entire PSDN. And again, it might be somewhere between annoying and good if Facebook crashes for a week, but if the entire telephone network crashed for a week, that would be that would have an impact. So you do need to be careful and make sure you test you test things very carefully, and that's why it takes takes some time. But we are 
learning because we now have some real-world deployment that we didn't have before it was deployed in the U.S. So, Jim, to summarize all that we've covered today, I'm going to give you the opportunity to give us the three top considerations to make um, with regards to international store shaken deployments and making it successful. Yeah. So the first one I would do is the whole trust and reputation side of it. You need to, you need to have um, processes in place to, to know your customer and to verify that they're, they're who they are and they, they can actually uh, legitimately sign the calls. Um, the next one I would say is that there's not going to be any single global deployment. Again, there's no global policeman who can mandate that everyone will do it exactly this way. And so there's going to be multiple solutions and or, 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 or mechanisms, again, and because of that, because they have to interoperate or they won't work, they have to be standards-based. So you need things where there's standards-based uh, so that they can interoperate and you can get that end-to-end -end capability. Um, the third thing, I guess, is that, yeah, because, because you, you need to do everything possible to get the call signed or attested to as close to the origin of the call as possible because it's only at the origin that you actually know what's happening. And so you need to get as close to the origin as possible um, and, and sign that and let as many people as possible do those signatures at the origin. Of course, the flip side of that is if you let a lot of people sign, sooner or later there'll be some bad, bad actors get in. You can limit it, but you can't uh, uh, eliminate it. And, and therefore you need that, that enforcement and monitoring capabilities. Yeah, and I want to pause on that real quick because I know you and I, um, in prepping for this, that was a topic that we both agree upon. But I think part of the shortcuts for implementing Stir Shaken, um, we're seeing people kind of getting further away from the source of truth. And I think this whole thing breaks down if we're not making sure and maintaining that we are identifying who is the entity behind the calls, the entry point onto the network, and carrying that through to termination. Too much I'm seeing is the objective seems to be getting A-level attestation at all costs. And we are just really unraveling the value of all of this hard work and implementation. Um, so I think this is an opportunity for you to get this on the record with how important that that is. Oh, it, it, it is. I mean, we have, we have long involved uh, debates about, about that. And so we all agree you need to expand it as much as you can without compromising the integrity. The only thing I will say is that, is that if you have robust monitoring and enforcement mechanism underpinning it, you can expand it further. And so I think where we get into the gray zone is people are expanding it ahead of that enforcement on the assumption that enforcement and monitoring will come. We just need to make sure it does come. But we also need to tweak based on experience because if we don't, we could end up somewhere we don't want to be. So Molly, um, I believe we do have some questions. We've got about three minutes left. Okay, let's try to squeeze some in. So the first one comes with a hello from the Netherlands. How are the USA and Canada interacting with European countries to bring the standardization activities forward? Um, so basically, uh, by, by having a series of, of meetings and educational discussions, uh, again, I've, I've been talking with the, um, with the SEPT, uh, the European regulators, uh, for, for several years on that, and we continue to talk with, with them. Um, so it's just, it's, at this stage, it's sharing information. Perfect. 
The next one is, do delegated certificates have a benefit in the world of cross-border communications? Um, so delegate certificates have a benefit in, in shaken, again, within a country. Um, they basically allow you to, uh, to extend, basically get even closer to the origin reliably by having the enterprise uh, use the delegate certificates to actually sign its source. Plus, they can use rich call data to put calling name and other information in it. Once it gets to the originating service provider, it gets turned into a standard shaken passport. Uh, and so when you get to the cross border, it's already been going to turn into standard shaken. It just will have benefited at the source uh, from the delegate certificates. And I'm just going to add to that on, on the delegate certificate. The whole point was for elevating the attestation. It's an origination solution. Um, that's where it sits. That's the value that it has. Let's not make it more than what it is. So that's why everything Jim no. just said makes sense on an international standard. Can international service providers receive signatures at the U.S. border for calls originating outside of the U.S.? Um, so the, the, um, a U.S. carrier at the border can, with some limitations, provide attestation for an international call and can um, technically even provide full attestation, but only if the, it was the originating service provider that, that carried the call all the way from the origin all the way to the U.S. border. So in other words, before the U.S. border, only one carrier had been involved, and therefore that carrier knew it could trace right back to the origin meaningfully. So you can get that, but that's a tiny percentage of, of uh, international calls. So, so it's a yes, but. All right, Jim, thank you for joining us on Tuesday Talks. We'd like to thank all of you for joining us for another episode of Tuesday Talks. We hope to see you again on Tuesday, September 21st for part two of our International Star Shaken series. Thank you.